Bibles, go ahead and open to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. 1 Samuel chapter number 30, and we're going to be continuing our series on recharge. As we start this summer, it's always good to just take time and, and recharge for the summer. You're coming off of a school year, perhaps, and uh, or just a time, uh, even as parents, where it's a time of the, of the year where uh, that first half, we made that big push to, to get through the school year. And, uh, and now we go into the summertime, and, and sometimes there's a tendency uh, for us to kind of just put it in neutral and, put, uh, and just kind of uh, just uh, coast through the summer. But uh, I'm hoping that this series will be an encouragement to you for, for the summer to be a summer that is a victorious summer for you, something that uh, you'll, you'll be able to grow in your walk with God and something that will energize you. Uh, for this summer, because God wants to do some great things in our church this summer. There's a lot of things that we'll be doing, a lot of activities, and uh, we're going to need the right kind of energy to get all of that done. And so hopefully this series will re-energize us in a way and get us prepared uh, to accomplish what God has called us to do. So 1 Samuel chapter number 30, and we're going to look at the first eight verses this morning. And uh, I'll read them, and you can follow along. We'll read the first eight verses, and then we'll pray. We'll hear a special before we get right into the message this morning, all right? 1 Samuel chapter 30, and by the way, if you don't have the notes, you can still raise your hand, and the ushers will get you the notes. And if you don't have a Bible this morning, uh, the, on the screen, we'll have most of the verses, and most of the verses that we'll be using will also be in your notes. And so, uh, in either case, you can do that, and, uh, and that way you can follow along as we study God's Word together. 1 Samuel chapter 30, it says, And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag, and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Elimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for once again allowing us to be here in your house. Thank you for the life of David, Father, how he was an example in many ways to us of, of what it means to be a Christian and how to live our life. And Father, even in the times of his life where there was a lot of distress, he was able to find a courage in you. He was able to find in you the answer to what he was facing. So this morning, as we study this passage, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, 
that you would allow me to be, uh, to communicate with clarity the message that you have placed on my heart, and that, Father, we would be ready to receive your word, that we'd be uh, sensitive to your spirit. Father, help me to preach with clarity this morning, and to say only what you would have me to say. Father, we would uh, ask that you would just lead us and guide us now in this time of our service, and I ask this in Jesus' name.
Well, distressing times in the life of a Christian is something that we all experience. There are times in our life where things go extremely well, but there are times in our life as well, just as high as the highs are, that there are lows. There are times in our life where it just seems like nothing goes right. It seems like all you can do is have anxiety and worry and even sometimes a feeling of depression. Those times when the distress comes into our life, it seems like our worst fears come to life. Feels like we're just discouraged a lot or we don't really want to move forward anymore. We kind of get to a point in those distressing times of life where there's really no motive and no motivation for you to really move forward in your life as a Christian. There are times and days in your life where even going to church is very difficult. I heard about a couple that was arguing one Sunday morning about going to church, in fact. They were, they were at their house and kind of arguing, and the, and the husband really was the one that didn't want to go. And he's talking to his wife, and he said, babe, I just don't want to go today. I really don't want to go. He says, you know, we go to church. The people aren't very friendly at all. The services are so long. It just seems like when you go there, nobody's in a good mood at that church. I, I really don't feel like going. My wife said, oh, babe, come on, quit exaggerating. The people are not that bad, she said. And, and come on, the services are fine, all right? Everybody's in a, in a fine mood. Everybody's uh, okay to see you, please. Just, it, it's not that bad. And the husband said, you know, you don't understand. Listen, I, I don't really want to go. Give me three good reasons why I should go, and, and then maybe I'll go. Wife looked at him and said, okay, fine, I'll give you three good reasons. She said, number one, we all need church, especially you. You really need to go to church. Reason number two, she said, God commands us to go. This is a thing of obedience. You need to be there. And reason number three, you're the pastor. We got to be there. You ever been in a, in a place in your life where you just, you kind of like that pastor, you just don't really want to go forward? You really, you're just so distressed and you're just so down in life, so discouraged that, that going forward seems impossible. Well, in the life of David, he experienced that. And in fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, the portion of scripture that we'll be studying this morning, we come to a, a time in David's life where that exactly is going on. In fact, David got so discouraged. If you look in 1 Samuel chapter 27, he, he got to a point in his life where he had been running from Saul. He had been running from Saul for almost 10 years now. Saul, the king of Israel, was looking for David to kill him. He had uh, heard that David was the next anointed one, and Saul, having a son of his own, knew that his son wasn't going to be the next king, that God had commanded and anointed David to be the next king, and, and King Saul, in a, in, a desperate, uh, uh, in a desperate way, trying to kill David and, and, and thwart God's plans in any way that he could. He's looking for David to take his life. So David's been on the run. He's been in the wilderness. He's been in cities. He's been in caves. He's been all over the place hiding from Saul. And, and after about 10 years of this, he's getting very tired. And time after time over those 10 years, David has seen as God has liberated him. In fact, there were temptations in David's life where it seemed like David could have ended Saul's life. Seemed like God was bringing Saul to a place where David had opportunities literally 
to kill Saul. In fact, in one opportunity, Saul went into a cave to use a restroom, not knowing that David was in that cave hiding. And so then he used the restroom, falls asleep, and then David, while he's asleep, goes to him. And having a knife, had the opportunity to take Saul's life, but he doesn't do it. Instead, he cuts a little bit of the garment on, that Saul was wearing, and later Saul wakes up, and he leaves out of the cave. And once he's gone to the bottom of the mountain, David comes out and calls after him. And he says, Saul, King Saul. And he says, listen, I, I could have taken your life today, but I didn't. He said, I was fearful to take the life of the Lord's anointed, of the king of Israel. God placed you as the king, and there was nothing that I would ever do to take you away from what God has called you to do. And he said, and just the way that I was fearful to take your life, I hope you'll be fearful to take my life. And I hope that you can understand that I, I don't have any ill will towards you. I don't want to see you dead, and I hope you don't want to see me dead. And King Saul, upon seeing that, begins to weep, and he says, David, man, I messed up. I, 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 I really should not be looking for you. Please forgive me. David was his son-in-law after all. And, and he said, I, I messed up and I, I won't seek your life anymore. Now, you would think that after an experience like that, that David would be okay. That David could now go back to his home and enjoy his life. But he couldn't. You see, that wasn't the first time that King Saul had told David, I'm not going to look for you. I'm not going to go after you anymore. In fact, it happened on multiple occasions where... David spared his life, and King Saul said, no, I'm not going to do it, and then later went after David again. So can you imagine 10 years of that, and now David is, is basically to a point in his life where he goes, I don't know if I'm going to make it. After 10 years, it's been, it's been a long time. I, I don't know that, that really I'm going to survive if I keep going like this. And so David makes a decision all on his own, and he decides to leave Israel and go to a, a land that's south of them, and the land of the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were the enemy of Israel, the number one enemy of Israel. So now David is leaving God's people, leaving the country that God has established as his country and his people, and he goes to the enemy and to the Philistines, and he seeks shelter and safety from a king named Achish. And Achish is a Philistine king, and Achish knows who David is. David has killed thousands of Philistines, and David is a great man, a great warrior. They know who he is, but David convinces them that he's defecting, that he's changing his loyalties, and he's asking for safety. He says, listen, Saul wants to kill me. Why do I want to be with those people? And Achish believes him. And so then he asks him, can you give me a city where I can stay in? And, and he says, okay, I'm going to give you the city of Ziklag. And he, David, with 600 men that were with him, plus their families and his own family, they go to this city of Ziklag, and, and there in that city they establish themselves, and, and they, they try to return to normalcy. And they're not really in their country. They're not in a place that's really friendly to them. And now they're trying to acclimate their life after that decision of saying, I'm just going to go and hide with the enemy. And after a while, David begins to do things that he had never done before. He begins to attack different cities around him. Now, these were cities that were enemies of Israel, cities that uh, were, were not really seeking the prosperity of David and his men. They were just cities there. But, and, and, and David had fought with the enemy before. And God had told David sometimes to go and fight with the enemy and, and to drive them out of their land, but, but they're not in the land of Israel. 
They're not in that promised land. And, and David really doesn't need to be going to maybe look for a fight the way he's doing it. And, and he begins to do that. And he begins to, to attack different villages, including the Amalekites. But instead of just conquering them as in battle and, and going to war with the soldiers, David begins to kill not only the men and the soldiers, but he begins to kill the children. And anyone that can say what happened and what he's doing. If you read in chapter 27, you find that David's in a point of his life where he's lying about what he's doing. When King Achish said, hey, who did you invade? I heard you've invaded people. Oh, yeah, we invaded some of your enemies, king, even though he hadn't. And then he'd been killing people, innocent people, people that couldn't defend themselves, people that were not really people of war. But he's killing them because he doesn't want Achish to find out about his lies. We find that David is making decision after decision after decision that is not wise. That's leading him to a place that's going to have some serious consequences. And finally, it happens. The king of the Philistines, King Achish, is going to, Achish is going to go to war with Israel. And he asks David to come along. And, of course, the other leaders there in the Philistines say, hey, king, I know you like David, but we're not taking David with us. He's going to turn on us. We don't know if he's really loyal to us. And the king says, no, no, he's really loyal to us. He's been living in Ziklag. It's going to be fine. And they said, no, you need to turn him away. If he goes with us, we're not going to war. And so it looks like David gets out of a pickle because king says, sorry, David, I know you've been loyal, but you need to go back home. So David, pretty excited that he's not going to have to fight his own people. It's starting to seem like everything is working itself out. Yes, he's been lying. Yes, he's been living with the enemy. Yes, he fled from where God wanted him to be, but it looked like it's all working out. And then we pick it up in verse number one of chapter 30. We find that as David gets back to the city, we had tried to start over and try to normalize his life. He finds that it's been burnt. And all of the sons and daughters are gone. Suddenly, he finds himself in a distressful situation, in a difficult situation. Perhaps you've had a time like that in your life. Perhaps there's been moments in your life where you've made decision after decision after decision that you know does not please God. Or you've been living and saying, thinking to yourself, I can figure this out. I, I know what to do in this situation. I'll get out of it but you really haven't looked for God. What do you do in a time like that? How do you get recharged in a time like that? I want you to notice this morning as we study this passage, what David did to recharge. Notice, first of all, the disaster situation that I've mentioned this morning. The disaster situation. Here, David, coming back to Ziklag, sees that the city is burned. That everything he's been working for, everything that he has been doing, now is suddenly gone. Thinking that he has escaped from what was going to be difficult, fighting against his own people. He said, I got away with it. And he goes from that situation to one that's far worse. Now his wives have been taken. His children have been taken. He doesn't know exactly who took them. He's made enemies with all the villages around him because he's been attacking them and killing everybody in the village. I'm sure his first thought was, they've killed my children. They've probably killed my wife. Who knows where they 
what they did with them. Maybe they, they went and burned them somewhere on the other side of a mountain. Maybe they went and threw them off a cliff. I don't know. But he's walking back to his city and everything's burned and nobody's there. Everything's gone. And now he's thinking, what am I going to do? I mean, it was a completely disastrous situation. And can I say in that situation, it was a situation of his own making. You know, there was no one else to blame about what was going on in David's life at that point. There was no one else that the finger could be pointed to to say this was someone else's fault. David knew it was his fault. David knew it was his decision to go to Gath and seek shelter from, or for, uh, seek shelter and help and safety from King Achish. That was David's decision. It was his decision to ask for a city like Ziklag where he could stay and, and dwell there with the enemy. That was his decision to do that. It was his decision to go around and kill the women and children of the different villages around him. That was his decision. The disaster situation was one of his own making. Do you know many times in our life when you find yourself in a, a distressful situation, one of, of great worry, anxiety, of things just kind of going south, many times you can trace that back to decisions that you have made that weren't good decisions. Sometimes you can trace that back as a consequence of something that you thought would never catch up to you. Isn't it like that sometimes? We, we think that we know a better way than God knows and we, we can live our life any way we want and there's no consequences. In fact, much of the philosophy of this world is that way, isn't it? It says, hey, well, well you're only going to live once and you're only going to go around this world one time. You only have one chance, so just live it up. Who cares what happens? Let tomorrow take care of itself. No worries. You, you just do what you want to do. In fact, the, the mantra kind of is sometimes, and you, you, see, you hear it in Disney movies, you hear it anywhere on television, just follow your heart. But you know what those people don't take into account? The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful. We can't even know our own hearts. Our own hearts will take us to places that we never would go. And they will bring about consequences in our life that we never want to live through. You know, the Bible even says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It was something that David was starting to experience in his life. Man, the decisions I've made to get away from God's people, the decision of just doing my own thing was starting to bring some consequences, some unwanted consequences. And it's just like that in our life today. We can get out of church and we can get away from the preaching of God's word and we can get away from our Christian friends and we can get away from good and godly influences and we can say, nothing bad's going to happen to me and it's all going to be okay. It'll all work itself out because this is really what I want to do. This is how I want to live my life. And you make those decisions and we, for a time, think we're getting away with it. Let me just tell you, there's always consequences for our decisions. Always. The, the disastrous situation that you find yourself in many times is a situation of your own making. But we also find in David's life that he's thinking there's really no easy way out. There really wasn't. He didn't have any options. He can't go back to King Achish and ask for help. 
because he knows he might find out if he investigates, he'll know that it was my fault anyway that they came and invaded. He can't go back to the king of Israel because King Saul is there, and though those are enemies of King Saul that David was fighting and killing, King Saul wants David dead. So, what exactly are his options? He really has nowhere to go. He's, he's in that proverbial place between a rock and a hard place. There's really nothing that David can do to make things better. There's nothing that he can do really by himself to make things just go away and be back the way they used to be. You see, David was not in a place experiencing the peace of God. You know, when you get into a situation where the decisions that you have made are beginning to bring consequences in your life, you find that you'll find no peace in it. I imagine that David thought, oh, I'm going to be secure in this city of Ziklag. Everything's going to work out okay in just to find one day that everything's burned and everyone's gone. You know, sometimes in our life, we can find ourselves in that place. You know, it's interesting because I believe if David would have been in the place where God wanted him to be, if he hadn't made that decision to go to the enemy's country and, and try to find shelter with the enemy, I, I believe though he would have been on the run and though he was living a, a difficult life running away from Saul, but he was still in the country that God wanted him to be, around the people God wanted him to be with. If David would have just done that, I believe that things would have worked out. And though it would have been very difficult going through those times, David would have found peace in his life. But you know, anytime we get away from God, just like David did, there's no peace. When you're with God and storms come, even when storms are all around you, you can find peace and you feel like it's going to be okay. But it's amazing when we're away from God, even if we feel like everything's going okay, you still have no peace. In the days before that, maybe... David felt like, I'm safe, but you know, I can guarantee you he, he wasn't at peace. I can guarantee you the whole time he was probably worried. What if this gets, gets to the king's ear? That's why he's killing everybody. What, 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 what if someone finds out about what we're doing? What if King Saul hears that I'm over here? What am I going to do? The whole time he, he was probably living without peace. And I say anytime we start living our life outside of what God wants, that's how we are. We're never going to have God's peace that way. Isaiah told the people in Isaiah 59.8, The way of peace they know not. And there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. David was at a point in his life where there's no peace. It was a disastrous situation. Then I want you to notice, notice a discouraging response. David tells the men, man, I, I don't know what to tell you. He's probably asking the men, hey, are your children in their house? Are they hiding somewhere in the cave around? Have you looked every, everywhere? Men, have you? How about you? Is, is there anybody, any, any of our families make it? Did anybody's child get away? I want you to notice the response that those men had. Their response, first of all, was to blame David. They said, David, we're following you. 
David, this was your decision. David, you said we're going to go and help King Achish. If we were here, we could have defended our families. If we were here, uh, the, the city wouldn't be burned. David, this was your decision. David, you brought us here. The men aren't happy with David at this point. By the way, never mind that they decided to follow David. Uh, never mind that they had taken part in all that he was doing. Never mind that he had helped each and every one of them in their difficult circumstances at some point in life, and that's why they were joining him. Never mind all that. All that went out the door. Now they're just blaming because David's the leader. It's easy to blame the leader sometimes, isn't it? Especially when things are going wrong in our life, we always want to blame somebody. It's the church. Oh, it's that youth pastor. Oh, it's, it's brother so-and-so. It's that Sunday school teacher. He doesn't know. He just doesn't reach out to us enough. That church isn't friendly enough, and, and, and people don't love us enough. It's so easy sometimes to blame others and not realize that we're part of that situation. Many times, we're also to blame. We find that David's in a, in a place where everybody's blaming him. No one likes to take responsibility for their actions, do they? Everyone likes to blame somebody else. Listen, this has been since the beginning, by the way. If you find someone blaming you for the situation they're in, don't, don't think like you're the only one. Oh, man, everybody's always against me. Listen, it's been like this from the start. You read in Genesis chapter 3, the first man and the first woman that were created, Adam and Eve. When God came to Adam to hold him responsible for eating of the fruit that he should not have eaten from. You know what Adam said? God, you don't know. It's that woman. It's her fault. Not me. I mean, I would have, I would have been okay. I would have, I would have avoided that fruit. But that woman over there. So easy sometimes to point at someone else. Someone's pointing at you to blame for their situation. Someone said, if, they, if they're pointing with one finger, just remember there's three fingers pointing right back at you. And sometimes that happens. You find that David is getting blamed for everything. And not only is he getting blamed, you'll find this passage there says that they wanted to kill him. <laughs> and now they're speaking, not only David, is this your fault? But you know what? David, I don't know if you need to be our leader anymore. You know, don't you think it'd be better if David was dead? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, don't you think if David was dead, everything would be okay? <laughs> Suddenly David begins to hear these rumors of those men that he had helped, those men that he had cried with, those men that he had tried to help and, and solve their problems and, 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 and just be an encouragement to them. Now they're looking at him going, some leader you turned out. Maybe it would be better if you were gone. Maybe it would be better if you just left. And it's a difficult situation to be in. It's discouraging to hear that. It's, it's hard to want to keep going when you're hearing those around you, those closest to you, criticizing you that way. Speaking about you that way. That's what's happening in David's life. If anybody needed to be recharged, it was David. David was in a point in his life where I'm sure he considered it, at least considered it. Maybe I should take my life. Before someone said, oh, but I thought David was a God-fearing man. I thought he was a Christian. Even Christians have moments where they say, maybe I need to take my life. Maybe it's not worth going forward anymore. 
Maybe this thing of, of life is just too difficult for me. Maybe I've messed up beyond repair. Maybe David thought, man, I, I can't go back and give those people their lives back that I took. I can't go back to, to the time it used to be and just live in Israel peacefully. I can't go back to those days. And maybe he thought it'll never be different. It'll never change. Now people are talking about stoning me. Maybe that is what is best. As a leader, you can get real discouraged sometimes. As a leader of your home, husbands, you can get real discouraged sometimes, can't you? Those that lead children, moms, you can get real discouraged at times. You can start thinking, maybe it ain't worth it. Maybe I, I can't move forward. And it's in those times when you need to start thinking, how do I get recharged? I want you to notice that David, in this passage, has a deepening renewal. In other words, David was getting recharged. How do you get recharged in a time like that? How do you get recharged when you know you've been away from God for so long? How do you get recharged when everything around you in your life is starting to crumble and there's really no, no option of going back and turning back? You can't turn back the hands of time and there's really no way that you can change the situation of what you've done. How do you get recharged in one of those times? Well, I want you to notice what the scripture says. You'll find there... Verse number six, and David was greatly distressed. Because the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was, great, was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. Then it says, but David encouraged himself and the Lord his God. He encouraged himself. You know, that word encouraged means to be strengthened or fortified again. To recover your strength. I could say it this way, you could kind of say that phrase, David recharged himself in the Lord. You know, when you get into a situation of that type in your life, that circumstances around you, you know what you need? You need to get recharged in the Lord. That's when you need his word more than any other time. That's when you need to be more in church and and that's when you need more God more than at any other time in your life. Those times of being recharged, you've got to get recharged in the Lord. But how do you do that? What are some practical ways? Well, I believe the next couple verses there share exactly how David did that. The first thing that you're going to do if you're going to get recharged by the Lord and for the Lord, you first of all need to get in a place to hear God. Get in a place to hear God. Sometimes we want to try to work our way out of those situations. Well, if I, can just, if, if I can just spend more time at work, if I can spend more time doing this, and, and we think that doing is the answer, but you know sometimes doing is not the answer. Sometimes just putting your head down and plowing forward isn't really the best answer and solution. Sometimes you just need to stop and get, get to a place where God can start to speak to you. Get in a quiet place where it's just you and God. See, David was in a place where even those closest around him wanted him dead. The Bible doesn't say that there was anybody that he could go to 
to say, hey, can you come pray with me? Man, I'm going through a difficult time. Hey, man, I've, I've made some really bad decisions, and I don't know what to do. There was nobody around him that was going to go ahead and take that burden with him and carry it. Just him by himself. He had to get to a place where he could just hear God. The psalmist said in, psalmist, in Psalms 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. There are times and situations like that where you just need to get still and let God speak. You'll find that David immediately calls for Abiathar, the, the, the priest that was with him. And he says, bring the ephod. The ephod was... Uh, what God had used before uh, there were prophets and, of course, before uh, the scriptures were written and completed, God would use the ephod to talk to his people. And David tells the priest, Biathar, will you bring that ephod because I need to hear something from God. David knew if I'm going to get recharged, I can't do it on my own. I can't do it, I can't do it by working my way out of it. I just need to get still and let God begin to speak to me. You know, usually what leads us to the distressing times in our life is that we're not really seeking God. If you could say anything about David in the time before this happened in Ziklag, you'll find that David wasn't seeking God. You know, David didn't ask for the ephod when he went down to ask King Achish for help. You'll read chapter 26. You'll find the story that David spared Saul's life. And then the first verse in chapter 27, it says that David just got so desperate and he went down to the Philistines, went down to the enemy, went down with that pagan king. Never asked for the ephod there. Never took time to say, God, where do I go? What do I do? He's just like, I got to work my way out. We find now that David is saying, I, I need to hear something from God. We say that David now is seeking him. I love what Isaiah told the people in Isaiah 55. He says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. He said, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he, that's the Lord, will have mercy upon him. To our God, for he will abundantly pardon. If you're going to get recharged in a time of great distress, if you're going to get recharged in a time where you find yourself where you never wanted to be, you're first going to have to get to a place where you can hear God speak. That's why it's so important in those times to make a conscious effort. I, I'm going to take time to just pray. I'm going to take time to read my Bible. I'm going to make it a priority to get up and get ready and go to church. Why? I need to hear something from God. Find that David did just that. He realized, you know what? I need to seek the Lord. I haven't done that. But then I want you to notice the second thing that David does, and it's so important. He begins to ask God for his direction. He asks God's direction. You'll notice there after the ephod is brought to him, it says, and David inquired at the Lord. He asks a question, shall I pursue after this truth? He gets to a place where he says, I need to hear from God. 
And while he's there, he begins to ask God, what is it that you would want me to do? What is it that you would have us do now moving forward? Should I go? Should I stay? What should I do? You know, you find yourself in a moment like that of distress, go to the Lord and ask him, what do I do? Sometimes that's opposite of what we do. Sometimes our idea is, okay, we gotta, we, I got to do this to get out of it, all right? So, Lord, I'm going to do this. Will you bless that? Will you open this door? Will you make sure that that happens? And then we tell people, I've been praying about it. And I ask and I wonder, have you been praying to ask God what God would want or have you been praying that God would just bless what you want to do? Because I can tell you many times in my life, that's what I do. I find myself saying, God, you got to bless it. I, this is what I'm going to do, God, so now you got to bless it. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on you to make sure that you do what I want done to get done. But you'll find that David wasn't doing that. David wasn't telling God, God, here's the plan, now bless it. David's saying, God, what is a plan? <laughs> what do I do here now? You know, we all need to get to a place in our life where we're humble enough to just simply say, God, I need your help. You know, James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that gives to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Now, when was the last time you asked God for something in faith? And saying, God, I really don't know what to do here. But God, I'd love for you to show me. God, I've offended this person. God, I don't even know how to make it right. Can you show me how to make it right? God, I made this mistake. What do I do now? Find that David begins to ask God for his direction. And I want you to notice at the end of verse number eight, that once God tells him an answer, once God directs him where to go, the response that he has. You see, if you're going to get recharged for God, you've got to get to a place where you can hear God. You've got to get to a place of humility where you can say, God, what is it that you want me to do? And then get to a place where you can respond to God's leading. You'll find that David, upon hearing God's direction, when God said, pursue, David goes. And he pursues after them. David didn't sit there and argue with God about the plan. David didn't say, well, let's take a vote and see what the men think. He didn't say, well, let's see. If they don't want to stone me, God, then we'll go. David just said, hey, guys. God said, go after him. God promised he's going to give us all back. All that we have lost, all our wives and children, our, our, our sons and daughters, God said, we're going to recover everything. Let's just go. Notice it wasn't up for a vote. It was simply a matter of obedience in his life. You see, the key to getting recharged in a time of distress, it's responding to God. It's responding to what he's calling you to do. I don't know what it is that he's calling you to do today. But whatever it is, are you willing to respond? You know, in Matthew chapter 4, we have the story when Jesus met some of his disciples and they were there fishing and he, he tells them, will you just follow me? 
You notice that the scripture there says, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. You know, it's so important, the fact of following God's leading in your life. I wonder this morning, if you're in a place of distress, if you're in a situation that you say, man, I didn't think I was going to be here, and I didn't think this was going to happen, maybe what you need most than anything, what you need is to get recharged. How do I do it? Get to a place where God can speak to you. Get to a place where you say, God, I don't know what to do. Whatever you lead me to do, show me. Whatever your direction is, I want to know it. And then just responding, this is what God's leading me to do, this is what I'll do. It may not make a whole lot of sense, and that... Perhaps not everyone will agree with it, but it's what God's leading me to do. So that's how you get recharged in a disaster situation, just like David did. I love what the Bible says in Isaiah 55, verse 7. It says that God, God who is merciful, is always ready to pardon. Man, you might be here this morning and say, you know what, Pastor, be honest. I can't even think of a moment in my life where I've even turned to God. I can't think of a, a moment in my life where I've given my life to God. You know, if you're going to start getting recharged, it starts with a relationship with God. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This morning, perhaps that's what you need to do. Perhaps what God is leading you to do is to start a relationship with him. We call that salvation. That's the biblical term. Perhaps you have not received the salvation of God in your life. Maybe that's the decision God's leading you to, to make this morning. I wonder if you'll follow that. And God will recharge you. He'll give you new life. It'll be the best and greatest decision that you could ever make. And I trust if you make that decision, I trust you'll see as the Lord begins to work in your life. You become recharged this summer. I pray that you'll follow the Lord's promise. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Thank you, Father, that we find no matter what has happened in our life, no matter the decisions that we have made, we can find in you forgiveness. We can find in you pardon. We can find in you, Father, the, the recharge that we need so that we might move forward in our life for you. Oh, Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts and help us to be responsive to your word. And this morning, quickly, as the pianist is playing just a, a stanza of a song, perhaps you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, you know, you're, you're talking about that salvation and that relationship. And to be honest, I can't think of a time where I've given my life to God. I, I'm not even sure I know what salvation is. But man, I'd like to experience that. I'd like to know that God is my God. I'd like to know that I'm a Christian. I'd love for someone to show me how I can become a Christian. Would you just pray for me, Pastor? If there's someone like that, just raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I would love for someone to show you how you can know that you're a Christian, that you've been forgiven, that you've been pardoned. If there's someone like that, would you just raise your hand? Is there anyone like that? And perhaps this morning you're saying, Pastor... I'm in that kind of situation. I am in a 
situation of distress. And I really need to be recharged this morning. What David did is really what I need to do. Would you just pray for me that I'd be able to do those things that David did, that I could get in a, in a place where God can speak to me, where I can humble myself and ask for God's direction that he would lead me and that I would follow him. Would you just pray for me? Is there anyone like that would raise their hand? God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else? God bless you. I see anyone else? Father, this morning, you know our hearts. You know the situation we find ourselves in. The desperate need that we have to be recharged. I pray this morning that you would help us to apply your word into our life. Oh, Father, that your spirit would guide us and fill us. And that we would live this week in a way that would honor and glorify you. Father, I pray that we would be able to leave this place, your house, this sanctuary. We would leave different than when we came. Father, we would leave out of here recharged and ready to go for you. Father, we might claim those promises as David did, that God, you told him he's recovering all. Father, we want to recover all in our life. We want to see you work. I pray that you would do just that. Work in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy.